We are in Surah Al-Rum, which is Surah number 30. And I am number 54. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahu Alladhi Khalaqakum Min Du'afin Thumma Ja'ala Min Ba'di Du'afin Quwatan Thumma Ja'ala Min Ba'di Quwatin Du'afan Wa Shayba Yakhluqu Ma Yashau Wa Huwa Al-Alim Al-Qadir Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is the one who has created you from weakness out of weakness and then made for you after this weakness a strength and a power, and then after this strength and power, he made for you another weakness and also old age. He creates whatever he desires and wishes, as he is the one who knows everything and alim, and he is the one who is omnipotent and he is able to do everything at will. This ayah, as you can see, talks about the different phases of a man's life in this world. That when he is born, he is created in a state of weakness, in his infancy, in his childhood, until he reaches the age of adolescence and then young adulthood, where he assumes a certain amount of physical strength, intellectual abilities and so on and then after a while after 40 and 50 his strength physical strength now turns into weakness and old age this uh, in the Quran obviously is a very straightforward application of a human being's life life process cycle from birth until death the question is, why is it here? The question is, why is Allah subhanahu wa mentioned something that is so obvious? Anyway, maybe even a high school student would be able to say this and you know, make some sense out of it. So the Mufassir, the person who's translating, interpreting the Qur'an, understanding the Qur'an, has to come forward with a broader application and a deeper meaning. One of the ayat where he may want to exert some further thinking and uh, further research into why this ayah is expressed in the last divine message. So you can say, okay, we may explain the eye biologically and physically and go through all the, the physiological developments of human beings from the time of childhood, infancy, childhood, adulthood, and when they become senile. Will that be a lesson in biology? 
<laughs> not that is not necessary. Who wants to listen to biology? Except the doctor and the physician who study that for <coughs> their reasons and somebody who also studies knowledge for the sake of knowledge. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says at the end, ma He creates whatever He wishes. It is from this part of the ayah that the Mufassir gets his cue. And then he gets another cue, a further cue from وَهُوَ الْعَلِيمُ الْقَدِرِ He, I mean Allah is the one who knows everything and is capable of doing everything at will. So this last part of the ayah will enable the Mufassir to think uh, at a broader level and at a deeper level. So now he engages into the ayah through his understanding of theism, of theology, and also human history in general. So, yeah. so first of all, the broader application has been mentioned by certain ulama, <coughs> certain ulama of Dilban also, like Qai Tayyab Sabh, He said this ayah on face value is what it means. But when it comes to understanding human beings as a species, we may apply this ayah as the development of human species, of the human being as a species. Allah created you at a time when you were weak, meaning through Adam salam and Hawa, especially as they came down to earth, and you were weak human beings as a society, they were in their infancy. They were in their infancy. And then as they grew physically, <coughs> like the people of Adam, Thamud, who became giants much taller than Adam, right? much stronger than Adam, then that would be the age of adolescence for the human species. Then as they grew further, okay, and the physical features of the human being now reached the peak, then came the phase of the human intellectual development and maturity, which is the, the peak of the Quwa. And that, he says, occurred at the time of Ibrahim salam, where Ibrahim salam's intellect had reached uh, the peak of human ascent and human climbing intellectually and maturity. And from there on, afterwards, human beings started to decline not only in physique, but also in intellect and maturity as a species. Until the time of Muhammad came, when this ummah is the weakest of all the previous umam physically, that we are the shortest of all the human beings that came on earth and to earth physically and I dare say intellectually also. Right. We're nowhere near the maturity of people before us. So. Never mind now, that's now, 50 years ago. 100 years ago, the idea that a human being would be so stupid at the age of 40, it's unthinkable, immature, irresponsible, not willing to take on chores and errands and duties and responsibilities and obligations. And the species now, if you, if you tell a child something, the child cries and probably wants you to get 
psychological evaluation as a father and a parent. That maturity is gone. Now we become senile. Yakhluqa ma'ashallah creates what he wants. So he says there's a primary application of this ayah and there's a broader application of this ayah for human beings as a species. As one total unit. And it will make sense from the riwayat based on other ahadith and quotes from the Prophet where the Prophet said when Adam came down to earth his primary concern was how to now farm and how to do agriculture and how to you know raise animals and how to irrigate and how to build homes how to gather and cook food and how to sow and all of these duties there was no such sharia except the sharia of how to live as human beings that would be your infancy not as primates or primitive societies cavemen not Adam was not a caveman, as you know. He came from Jannah. He's much more than a caveman. But that will be the first phase. And there's a second phase where Nuh came, then you had these ideas of rebellion. As you know, in your teenage years, when you're in your sixth grade, your hormones change and you become the worst human being on the planet. Nobody wants to teach the sixth grade in any school on the planet. Because they go through this vicious cycle of hormonal changes, and even they don't know who they are, what they are. That will be the time of Nuh the sixth grade <laughs> then you had a time of now further aggression in the adolescence of the Ard and Thamud where they were tyrants and they were giants and they were powerful and they were greedy and they were ruthless and reckless and they were invincible in their minds then as you calm down and you assume the age of maturity post 30 towards 40 then you see the genius of one person in Ibrahim salam, where he is now the father of Tawheed. Where you are able to see without Nabuwa what your mind is supposed to see. That is the maturity age. After that, the Prophet Sallallahu did say that the Banu Israel, meaning the people of Yaqub and others, they, 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 they started to decline in stature and also in physique, they were shorter. And he said about this ummah, we are the shortest. And then is, meaning, Khari Sahib's application of the ayah is based on riwayat, not just his speculation. But it gives you a broader platform to apply this ayah. This is how Allah creates. Yakhluk, how does he create? He creates this for human beings and species. So at the time of when the Day of Judgment comes, people will be devoid of not only intellect, but also knowledge, and they will become senile. Intellectually, they won't remember what their forefathers used to do, and they were able to do. This is how Allah subhanahu wa creates, and this is what He's able to do, and He knows how He wants to create. We don't have time to go into the time curve from Adam until now, but Maybe another day. Inshallah. So Allah's knowledge is expressed in the way He creates. Allah's knowledge is expressed where? In how He creates and what He creates. 
So he creates human beings as individuals, and he creates human beings as a species. So we are the micro, and the human race, in general, is the macro. So the micro is a reflection of the macro. Right. So we, like our forefathers, all go through this phase, or these phases, as individuals, and uh, the children of Adam, uh, they have gone through this phase as one species. So he was able to uh, blend and merge both the micro and the macro to give a more, a broader application of the eye. And if you want to go deeper than that, then you must consider what this means to the human being after he dies. After he does what? After he dies. What is the proof of that? The proof of that is the link between this ayah and the next ayah. This ayah and the next ayah. And the day when the hour is established and when the the hour, meaning the day of judgment, comes upon human beings as species. So what is the link between Allah creating man this way, that eventually he becomes old and senile, and the day of judgment? Meaning his time on earth has now expired, and he is moving to another phase of his existence on the day of judgment. So on the day of judgment, Allah will initiate another process of human existence. And how will that happen? The day of judgment, the, the Qumusah. What will happen there initially? Yuqsimul Mujrimun. The criminals who did not believe in Allah, in the existence of Allah, in the existence of prophets, they will all swear that they have not remained on earth except one hour. Meaning time will become so insignificant for people on the Day of Judgment that they will say, all of this happened on earth, our birth, our infancy, our childhood, adolescence, our adulthood, and our old age happened all in one hour. Less than an hour. So it will seem like a dream. And then those who appreciate that this life is much shorter then the life on the other side of our existence, they will not be in a state of panic, and they will not be guilty of any crime, and they will be able to face that existence also, because they prepared for that existence here. That is the link. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to create and recreate what He has already done so. So time now becomes... Uh, a factor for those who believe in the end of time. And those who do not believe that time will cease to exist, uh, they will waste their lives here also. That is a deeper link for those who understand that they are going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one day. That's how they were always engaged in deception. And they would be deceived and they would deceive others and fabricate lies against themselves and against other people. Obviously the moral application of Ayah 54 
is that time is very precious. Life is precious. We don't have too much time on this earth and planet to prepare for the other world, so make the most of what you can now. Do not delay things and procrastinate so that you do what you can do in a very productive way and very aggressive way. (coughs) And that is the moral application of Ayah 52, and that also helps, as we all know. (coughs) Anyway. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُ الْعِلْمُ وَالْإِيمَانِ لَقَدْ دَبِثْتُمْ فِي كِتَابِ اللَّهِ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْبَعْثِ For those who are given knowledge and iman. Knowledge and iman. So there are two levels of understanding, recognition, cognizance, and what we call marifa. One is the level of knowledge, where you realize, and the other is the level of iman, belief where it is not submissive, it is very active. That through the knowledge I have acquired or inherited, I know that Allah exists and I submit to his existence actively, not passively. That is your level of iman and conviction. But that does not come about without concrete knowledge of you and your existence. Indeed, you have stayed and lived in the book of Allah, in Allah's knowledge, you have lived until the day of judgment. Meaning, in between your exit from this world and your being recreated here, you were in another phase of existence called the Barzakh, the world of the graves. So they will now say, I know I was there too. I was in the grave, I was in the Barzakh. Maybe you didn't know, or you forgot. Hmm. So now this is the day of resurrection. This is the day of resurrection. You are now resurrected. It wasn't that you did not exist. You did exist. As you existed in your mother's womb, before you came to this world. And you know that, because you see it. You have knowledge of that, and you believe that, because it is true. Likewise, when you are resurrected, you know that you were in the barzakh, and you believe that because you were there. Except those who are criminals and do not believe in the different phases of man's existence will be in a state of denial, and that will be the beginning of their punishment. But rather the issue is, you did not know, and you didn't want to know. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, like, look, in, in this surah, surah al-Rum, you must have a universal understanding, as Abu Bakr did, about people who believe, and people who are close to believers, and people who do not believe, and people who are far away from believers. So the separation between those who are criminal and those who are not will be very explicit and defined on the Day of Judgment, وَامْتَازُ الْيَوْمَ أَيُّهَا الْمُجْرِمُونَ The Quran says in Surah Yasin that today, all of you who are criminals, you should be separated and distinguished from those who are not criminals in the eyes of Allah. وَامْتَازُ Separate yourselves. You are on this side and you are on this side. This is what will happen immediately on the Day of Judgment. So now in this world we realize that the case for belief in Allah Belief in the Rasul is very strong. You're going to go through this phase. 
civilizational phases, uh, human beings as species, you as individual human beings, you are going to go through phases and you are you will be separate uh, identities, entities in those phases. Although you are you when you're in your mother's womb and you are you when you're a child, an infant, and you are you when you are an adolescent and an adult and you are you when you become senile. Likewise, you are still you when you're in the grave and you are still you when you are resurrected. But your appearance and your apparent goes through changes, metamorphosis. That doesn't change who you are. What changes who you are is your iman, your belief, your faith. That's what changes you. That's how you will be separated on the day of death. You may not separate yourselves in this dunya based on your iman, especially in this country, or you may do so. That's a political uh, idea, or that's a religious idea. But it's not an idea that is sustainable in this world. In the other world, the idea that is sustainable, where you will no longer be going through phases of existence, is the day of judgment when either you are a believer or you are an unbeliever. There can only be two parties there, two groups. Both will be accounted for, they will be audited, and you will be responsible for all of your actions. But the hisab of a non-believer is going to be much more severe than the hisab of a believer. Now that doesn't mean to say that if a believer has killed somebody, then he will be spared because he's a believer. No. It just means that his process for being audited and his hisab procedure will be different from those who do not believe. They're in two different camps. They have two different groups of angels who will be questioning them. There will be two different types of procedures that will be applied to them. One for this group and the other for that group. There, you no longer go through phases of development. Your room for development and the time for development has stopped. It terminates with death. It terminates with what? Death and add death. So now, the Muslim who observes this realizes that in world events, as Abu Bakr realized, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also wants to favor the believer against and over the non-believer. So he saw that although the Romans were being defeated, he pledged and made a bet that a time will come when the Christians who are close to the Muslim will defeat the Persians who are very far from the Muslims and closer to the Mushrikun. So he made that connection. So at the end of the surah this comes back, as you will see in the last ayah. That day on the day when Qiyamah stands and judgment starts, those who are unjust and oppressors, their excuses will not benefit them. There they can't petition anymore. They cannot request for another time and they have no time to make tawbah. Nor will they be allowed to make amendments. 
and say, okay, now I change my point of view. Now I believe there's a group on this side and there's a group on this side. Now I believe God exists. Now I know he's Malik al and Malik mulk and so on. <coughs> the day for uh, changing yourself is now here, not over there. You go through physical changes, as the I-54 mentions, but then if you are not on track and you know that you are unjust and you're oppressive or your behavior is not up to standard to you know, basic human levels of decency, then you still can change as your body changes with your life. But then on the Day of Judgment, you have no time to change. So change here. So indeed Allah says, we have coined for men in this Qur'an every type of similitude and example and parable, contrast and comparison. Mathan means everything. Allah subhanahu says, every type of example that you wish to give to man, we have coined for man in this Qur'an. The Qur'an has many different styles of address. Uh, as I've mentioned several times before, one type of address is through the metaphoric and allegorical examples Allah gives to human beings so that they may use their mind and their creativity and their imagination to go from one reality to another. So one <coughs> is that you use your creativity, imagination, to go through reality, to go from reality to something that's false or mythical or hallucination, or a fascination, or a fantasy. That's how we do it today. Right? Even though the fantasy or that which is not real may help deliver a message. As in the case of plays, drama, movies, cartoons, novels, fiction, all of that good stuff. Art, in general. Here the Qur'an says that this is not art. This is using something that's real to bring you to something that is more real than where you started. So, when you were in your mother's womb, you were real. From there you moved into something which is more real. You were an infant. And then you moved to something that is more real than that, your adolescence. And then something more real that is your adulthood. And something more real that is the end of your life. And then something more real, which is yaqeen, the death. Right? So you move from one reality to another reality. But the second reality is going to be more real than the first one. And then from death, your barzakh, you move to another real, which is more real than the death, and barzakh, which is day of judgment. And from there you move to something more real and permanent, which is jannah. So moving from one phase to another is the destiny of man. Except man's knowledge, his own and his iman, should always lead him from one state to a better state. Not from one state to a lesser state. From a superior to inferior. That's not man. That is shaitan. That's the devil. So these ayat are coined in such a way that human beings understand the style of address in the Qur'an is one that beckons knowledge, faith, imagination and creativity. But the imagination and creativity must be used as a bridge to a further reality, 
to a superior reality, not to an inferior one. And that's why the Qur'an is not art. It is wahi. It is revelation. Fi al-Qur'an. In this Qur'an, this is the way we address men. This meaning, men should strive to gain yaqeen. Certainty of knowledge and in knowledge. Certainty of themselves, certainty of where they are, the phase of existence, certainty of the haqq, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how you see the ayah. Min kulli mathal. For what reason? وَلَيْنْ جِئْتَهُمْ بِيَايَةٍ لَيَقُولَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا مُبْتِلُونَ And if you were to bring them a sign, a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed most certainly they would say, in refutation of that ayah, and miracle, and denial of that phase of reality, that indeed you are doing nothing except cancelling out the truth that we believe in. <coughs> those who are in a state of kufr, denial and rejection, and those who are zalim, oppressors and just, and those who are in a state of arrogance, what do they say to the truth? This is not the truth. You are cast cancelling out the truth that we believe is the truth. Meaning, what you have to say undermines what we have to say. And that is why they never believe, because they are in a state of denial, which is the meaning of kufr. Why is that, Allah says, because they have not escaped their phase of existence, which is the unfortunate truth of being rejectors and deniers and oppressors. كذلك يطبع الله يطبع الله على قلوب الذين لا يعلمون. This is how Allah subhanahu stamps the hearts of those who do not know. They know, but they don't want to know. They know, but they don't acknowledge the truth. They know, but they want to go from a superior form of existence to an inferior one because they go from what is God-given towards what the devil wants them to do. Uh, which is to plummet <coughs> into the pits of falsehood and also denial, rejection, and into fulfilling their carnal desires with or without anyone's moral justification. Right? Hedonism, basically. Pacifying, pleasing the nafs and the base self and becoming the animal that Allah doesn't want them to become. So those who don't know, they suffer this fate and destiny of not believing in the truth and eventually not knowing. فَاصْبِرْ إِنَّ وَعَدُ اللَّهِ حَقُّ So now, O Muhammad what you need to do is to be patient. That when you're delivering this message of the haqq, be patient and steadfast. And then you must believe and know that Allah's promise is the absolute truth. Haqq. So now, if you were, mashallah, at the age of 40, 50, 60, your grandfather, and you, you're talking to your grandchildren, you know they are going to go through the phases of a human being's existence and cycle of change. When they're still in their infancy, they will not understand. They're still in their adolescence, they still will not understand. Even when they're 30 years old, they will still say, but my son, my daughter, you don't know. So Allah is saying to the Prophet first, 
You must uh, be certain, O Muhammad sallallahu that Allah's promise for victory is true, haqq. What's Allah's promise? That He will give the Prophet ultimate victory over those who deny and reject His message. Believe that as the haqq and yaqeen first, and then when you know that, let me patient. Just as when you are talking to your young child or grandchild, that you know this will happen, so you just wait until they grow and come into that phase or come out of that phase. So that is sabah. Sabah requires that you believe and maintain the truth of what is real over time and you don't change your belief and conviction of that truth over time. So no, yesterday I believed and today I don't believe so much. That is not sabr. Sabr requires that you maintain your conviction in what you believe in throughout the period of sabr. You can't falter in sabr. Sabr means you are resilient and you are resourceful and you are persistent and you continue to do what you are supposed to do. This is the full order. For 13 years and then 14 years, uh, the Prophet ﷺ and the close believers he had there, a few of them, they were patient. Nothing happened. Right? Time of Badr came. Something happened. But over that time, their iman did not diminish. They did not falter and question God. They did have uh, now what you call it, the usual ups and downs of a human being and sentiments and emotions and disappointments and expectations. But they all believe that Allah exists and Muhammad is the last messenger. They knew that to be the truth. And they also know Allah's promise is coming in the wa'adullahi haqq. Meaning just as Abu Bakr knew nine years before the eventual victory of the Romans over the Persians, just, just like that, you must believe, O believers, through Muhammad that the other promise of Allah, that Allah will give victory for Muslims over non-Muslims, that is just as true as the bet Abu Bakr made, which is at the beginning of the surah. As always, the end of the surah ties in and comes full circle with the beginning of the surah. فَاصْبِرْ وَلَا يَسْتَخِفَّنَّكَ الَّذِينَ وَلَا يَسْتَخِفَّنَّكَ الَّذِينَ لَا يُقِلُونَ And those who are not certain of anything, they should not okay, diminish you and lighten your iman and minimize and dilute your iman. Istighfar. Okay. That they start to now pierce something called doubts into your mind, into your psyche. And you start doubting the truth, the haqq. That should never happen. Right. So this surah, uh, which uh, stems from an act of Abu Bakr, عنه, brings about such universal values for all human beings throughout the surah. As I mentioned, there are so many ayat and so many proofs, evidences that are sometimes self-evident. Sometimes they are explained by the ayat themselves. And sometimes they're just universal principles. So that we take these values to non-Muslims in front of those, uh, especially nowadays in this country, where you say, well, this is what Islam says. 
This is what the Quran stands for. This is who the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is. This is the haq. This is the truth. In our quest to expose the haq, we are required to do what? Sabah. وَتَوَاصُوا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصُوا بِالصَّبَرِ Be patient. People's minds don't change overnight, especially now when everything seems to be stacked against us. This is a time not to lose hope, but to be what? Patient. This is not the time to freak out. As I usually say, this is the time to say, okay, we need to be firm, and we need a resolve, we need to be resilient, and we need to stay our course and believe in Allah, follow the four or five pillars, and then maintain what it is, is known as our dignity. And those who do not believe in us, or what we believe in, they should not be piercing doubts and holes into our conviction that Islam is the truth. I'm trying to, you know... We, we should not succumb to those temptations which are very easy to succumb to and very easy to say, give in to and very easy to say, okay, yeah, I feel sorry for myself, so what am I going to do? Maybe Islam is not the truth. Maybe Quran, Quran is not the truth. Maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe the Prophet is not the Prophet. Maybe what they're saying is true. No. Those who have no certainty, they will always cast doubt. That's what they do. You, who has certainty, should not allow them to cause doubt in you. That is a sign of your resolve and your sabab. Now, what is the method? What is the parable here? Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr is the parable. He is the example. Look at Abu Bakr. He was talking about world events in the early days of Mecca, uh, and he was predicting what's going to happen to world orders and civilizations nine years before they happened. A few years, meaning nine years. You have that kind of conviction, Allah's promise will be with you. If you falter, Allah's promise is still there, but you are not ready to receive Allah's promise. That is where sabr comes in. I say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's style of address comes in different ways and forms. And this is the Allah giving an example through the conviction of Abu Bakr to all Muslims and all readers of the Quran forever that this is a specimen of a human being who did not allow outside external events to change what he already was a developed Muslim. Abu Bakr's Iman went through no further change from the time he believed in Muhammad وسلم, to be the last Nabi. Now that didn't change. That was a constant. From the day that he said this until the day he died, it was a constant. And this is the example Allah has given in this surah. When you have this level of constancy, consistency, conviction, resolve, resilience, resolution, then the world events will become clear to you. They'll become apparent to you. You'll be able to see the truth in every event. How to read world events. 
not as a political analysis or his, his uh, historical uh, kind of critic or critic or somebody who studies sociology, anthropology, but somebody who believes Allah is the truth. That's the message. It's a very powerful message. Easier said than done, but it's true. It is the haqq. That's why the reader of the Qur'an is always fascinated. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always coining examples. وَلَقَدْ ضَرَبْنَا لِلنَّاسِ فِي هَذَا الْقُرَانِ We indeed do coin uh, phrases and messages and examples, similes, parables, contrasts and comparisons uh, so that human beings understand this is how you are going to hang on to the ultimate truth. That is Allah subhanahu so we'll stop here for today, inshallah. And before we go, we do have an announcement to make.